My name is Jillian Rakusin. I'm the Executive Director of the Foundation for Social Connection, as well as the Coalition to End Social Isolation and Loneliness. So what inspired you to help others? Wow. Well, thank you for the question. And, and thank you, Michael, for having me. Um, I would say, you know, kind of starting in my childhood, my mom um, has worked for the VA for almost 40 years now. Um, she's a clinician, um, an audiologist, and um, it really just modeled the behavior for caring for others. Um, there was kind of a, a point in my uh, teenage years when um, Hurricane Katrina hit. And I remember it was the first time I really started to understand like how environment and systems impact populations um, and kind of the, the um, how the response to that, right, really was able to support or, you know, was detriment to the community. Um, and that was probably the second sort of big thing that motivated me to get into the field of public health um, to, you know, volunteer and support some of the efforts that were happening in New Orleans and the surrounding areas um, and eventually took me to Tulane, which is in uh, New Orleans. So it was kind of all wrapped up, but I kind of went in knowing I was going to study public health and that my calling was to help others. How did you get involved with the Foundation for Social Connection? Yeah, great question. So um, my background, as I mentioned, is in public health. I did a couple of different stints at, at nonprofits and for-profit companies. And then I thought, okay, why don't I start uh, work at a startup and see what that's like? Um, and so I joined a technology company that was just starting up in, in New York City. Uh, we were building patient engagement um, platforms and software for um, different hospitals and health systems around the country. Um, and I learned so much in that in that role and kind of my job function kept shifting over time as the organization was growing. Um, and then the pandemic hit and um, everything sort of stopped, right? I was living in Washington, D.C. in a very small uh, apartment by myself and and really starting to feel these feelings of loneliness of you know, isolation from others, um, just as many others were feeling as well during that time. Um, but it just really prompted me to kind of take a step back and reflect on my career and kind of where I was spending my time and how fulfilled I was feeling um, and try to to search for a role um, and an organization that was doing really good to uh, address the issues of loneliness and isolation, which have been pervasive even before the pandemic, but really it shined a light on um, the, our epidemic of loneliness and kind of the direction of the trends, which is negative and how we can kind of work towards that positive upswing. Can you tell me a little bit about the organization? Absolutely. So I'll start with our coalition, which was founded in 2018 by Andrew McPherson. Um, that work really came out of, um, you know, his background is a, a health policy um, consultant and leader in Washington, D.C. He worked a lot on the hospice benefit and, and with older adults. He traveled over to the U.K. and met with their minister of loneliness there. Um, and, and that really inspired him to think, why aren't we doing something like this in the United States? How can we start to um, really work on advocacy efforts, communication efforts, educational efforts in, um, in the U.S.? 
And so, you know, he really started this coalition with about eight or nine organizations. Now we have 55 oh, wow. um, organizations in, in the coalition. And they really cross different sectors, different you know populations of interest that they focus on. Um, but we come together to develop our policy agenda and then advocate on behalf of that um, to our, you know, our national leadership um, and try to move the needle forward in terms of addressing these issues through policy, um, as well as our communications and events efforts. So we host every year um, an event around Global Loneliness Awareness Week, um, which I can get a little bit more into, but really that that organization's focus on that advocacy, policy, and communications. Our foundation was formed in 2020, um, really out of the understanding that we needed a place that that we could look to the evidence and, and really ground our work in evidence and have that translation piece happening from research to practice. So we bring brought together a scientific advisory council uh, of really the leading voices, experts, researchers in the field um, to advise and consult and support efforts um, in practice and innovation, as well as um, inform policy recommendations as well. You just touched on it, but what are some of the programs you have? Yeah, absolutely. So it's a nice TN. Um, you know, at the foundation, we we, as I mentioned, do a lot of work um, with our scientific advisory council. They really lead the the way as we we think about informing our products and services. Um, we have just launched in September our flagship product, which we call the Action Guide, and it's a, a website. It's a process, six step process to help local leaders and communities start to bring together a local coalition of partners, devise a plan for um, really effectuating change as it relates to social connection in their communities and offers lots of strategies, tips, and tools and how to do so. So um, would really recommend anyone that's looking for additional support as they are thinking about what they can do in their own communities to check out that website, Action for connection.org, which has a, a wonderful, um, robust library of content. Um, I'll also mention that our work with our Scientific Advisory Council advises on lots of different national, state, and local level um, initiatives. And so, of course, our work focused on measurement and evaluation. We're, we're working with national government partners to think about national surveillance for loneliness, social isolation, and social connection. And we're working with different interventions, organizations that are actually deploying strategies, and how can we start to measure their effectiveness? Um, so that's a lot of the work happening on the foundation side. And on the coalition side, as I mentioned, a lot of our programs are focused on that policy and advocacy piece. We also have subcommittees and working groups. So if you're interested in focusing on older adults, we have an older adult working group as well as the young adult working group. Um, and that really just helps us continue to push the needle forward for specific populations who are experiencing isolation and loneliness at a higher rate. How important is empathy in the person-to-person -person, uh, communication? Extremely important. Um, I think as we, we think about 
not only social skills, but that human connection skills, right? We talk a lot about empathy, about vulnerability, about generosity and reciprocity, right? These are all things that come into play as we think about that interpersonal connection and sort of the empathy that you have with yourself, right? The grace you give yourself. And so our work, we really think about spanning across the socio-ecological model, just starting with the individual, but then thinking about the interpersonal relationships with friends, friends and family, with their community, organizations they belong to, and then, of course, that society um, level. And so I think empathy plays a huge role as we think about finding those uh, points of connection and commonality and bridging over our differences. What does it mean to you when you hear stories or talk to people and you're impacting their lives? Yeah, well, I would say it's definitely heartening, right? It it's it's really the motivation to to keep going and doing continue to push this work forward. Um, a lot of our efforts at the foundation and coalition are to, we say, help the helpers, right? So our programs are not direct service towards individuals, but we're really supporting an increasing capacity of those local leaders or those that are driving those direct interventions to people experiencing that lived experience of social isolation and loneliness. So being able to help them scale their efforts, infuse evidence into their efforts, and then hear those stories and narratives back um, really makes us feel warm and fuzzy and, um, mm. of course, you know, motivates us to continue. Yeah, what would you say to anyone going through a tough time right now? Yeah, I mean, I would say, first of all, you're not alone, right? Um, I think stigma is a big piece of this, right? We, we all think perhaps that we're experiencing this, we're scared to tell other people, Um but whenever I get into groups of, of um, you know, for presentations or large groups of individuals and I say, you know, have you ever felt lonely? It's pretty much everybody's hand who's raised. Um, it's just the reality of it. And I think sometimes naming it and offering some language and understanding and backing of why this might be happening when it's okay, right, to feel lonely and when it's starting to creep into that chronic um uh, the chronic loneliness or isolation, which is really leading to some of those negative health impacts. Um, I would say that, you know, there are a lot of small things, right? We talk about policy systems and environmental change to change the conditions that we all live in to be more connected. But while that's happening, because those things take a long time, there's also kind of some small steps that individuals can take, right? As we think about calling up a friend, right? I always tell people, scroll back in their text to about six months ago and just text someone, right? That's in there and say you're thinking about them. I was uh, presenting in front of a group of older adults um, earlier this week. And, and one of the women was telling me that she'll just send people hearts, just heart emoji throughout the week. And just to say that she's thinking about them, um, which I love that idea. Um, I think there's opportunities to get involved civically or through volunteering. Those are ways that it's really great to not only give back to your community, but also have that reciprocity, right? You feel better once you volunteer, once you've had that experience of doing good. So those are just some small things um, the Surgeon General released the advisory on um, our epidemic of loneliness and the healing power of social connection. And in that advisory as well are some great kind of tips and tricks for individuals at the end and caregivers if there are kind of like particular things that people are looking to do um, to get more connected. That is true. Just the little things help because, you know, I still work at home and 
um, my wife and kids are gone for like 10 hours. So it does get a little lonely, but talking to people and just getting little compliments make a world of difference. Absolutely. I, I think that the compliments, it's a great one as well. Um, and I think, you know, just it's scary sometimes, but when we put ourselves out there, yeah. right. I think the payoff is always more than, than we, we even can guess. So, um, I always tell the story. I moved to a, a new city about a year ago, um, where besides me and my husband, we didn't know anyone. Um, and for me and for us, it was something that we chose to do so we could be closer to nature, um, and also start to be in a smaller community where we could get to know people on a, you know, a higher quality level. Um, and there was a group starting a book club that I found through a thread app and I just showed up and I didn't know anyone who came by myself. Um, and now some of those women are, are my very close friends. Um, and we meet together monthly and, you know, over time we've grown into cooking for each other and supporting each other through other life events. Um, and so I think that, that, you know, hopefully it's not just the, the exception, but that, that becomes the rule. What do you do to help your own mental health? Yeah. So another great question. Um, my background when I, I grew up, as I mentioned, I studied public health, but I also studied dance in college. So um, I grew up dancing from a very young age and it's been, you know, a real passion of mine. Um, as I grew up, um, went to college, graduated, kind of transitioned a little bit more into the fitness world. And so apart from my role here at the Foundation and the Coalition, I also teach fitness. Um, currently, I, I teach uh, reformer Pilates, which I love. It just like gets me moving and shaking and brings my brain to another dimension a little bit. Um, it also allows me to be in person with others um, and connect on a, a different way as we're moving our minds and getting a little bit more in touch with, with how we're feeling. So where do you want to see uh, the your mission in the next three to five years? Yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're really at an important time right now, right? A pivotal moment where we're seeing a lot of momentum around the issue more than, than probably ever in history as it relates to kind of the downward trend. And I think a lot of uh, motivation and energy to to focus, as I mentioned before, on that upswing and to try to turn the trends around and move towards more socially connected communities um, and really focus on this issue across the country. Um, because it does start to seep into so many other aspects of our lives, whether it be political division or other, you know, the climate change or other types of um, reactions that we need to be resilient as communities as we, we come across different challenges. Um, so I would love to see our organizations continue to push the needle on legislation. Even just today, um, Representative Flood introduced legislation on um, bringing together a work group to explore and review um, different measurement and um, other types of, um, as we think about kind of like national surveillance around social isolation, loneliness and connection, perhaps bringing together a work group to understand what is the evidence telling us, where are there gaps, how can we start to um, become a little bit more standardized across the country. 
Um, we also know that Senator Murphy introduced legislation a couple months ago, um, the Social Connection Act. And so how can we start to move those from being introduced, which is huge, right? First time we're seeing social connection in legislation. How can we start to move that to being passed to have bipartisan support? So that's what I'd love to see for the coalition, as well as growing our membership, filling those gaps as we think about those uh, communities that are experiencing isolation and loneliness most. How can we make sure that those voices are, are included into our coalition work? And the foundation, I think, continuing to drive our research efforts forward and our trans translational research efforts, helping um, understand what solutions are working, right? A lot of the evidence today is, is looking at the negative health impacts of chronic loneliness or chronic isolation. So we have a good amount of evidence of why this is bad for us. But what we don't have a lot of evidence for yet and what we're working on and lots of partners are working on is what works, yeah. What do we do? Um, and so really trying to, um, you know, work towards the evidence-based strategies that we can, you know, put forward and um, and promote to others. How can people reach out and learn more? Yeah, and, and we absolutely hope that you will. Um, our website and socialisolation.org is for the coalition or social-connection.org is for um, our foundation work. We're very active on LinkedIn, so feel free to look out for us there um, and reach out and share your story or share ways that you might want to support or, or join us in our efforts. Um, you know, I'm always available and open to, to meet with folks who are interested in learning more about what we do. Um, Info at social-connection.org is a good email address if you're looking to connect with us directly. Um, and of course, we have our upcoming Global Loneliness Awareness Week event in June, um, which I know will blink and it'll be here. So okay. if you're interested in joining us in Washington, D.C. in June, um, please look out for that information as well. Well, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to me today and share the mission. And sometimes it's it's those little things that make the world a difference. Absolutely. I know I, I, I say spread kindness in the world, spread love, right? Love will always trump hate. So um, thank you so much again, Michael, for having me and um, really appreciate the time this morning.